And I'm Julie Gunlock, host of the Bespoke Parenting Hour. For those new to the program, this podcast is focused on how parents should custom tailor their parenting style to fit what's best for their families, themselves, and most importantly, their kids. Um, Today, I'm excited. My good friend, Kathy Holman, is back. This is number three. Um, I think she's been on three other times. Um, Kathy is better known as the Prairie Wife. She's a city girl gone country. Um, She began prairiewifeinheels.com in 2013. Uh, where she spreads her message of living a life of grit and grace. She's a good friend of this program. Again, number three, we're going to start doing sort of a new parenting news roundup. I think, I think like a monthly parenting news roundup. So great to see you, Kathy. Thanks for coming on again. Thank you for having me. You know, I love it. (laughs) All right. So parenting news roundup, there's a lot to talk about in the parenting realm, but today I want to get a little bit away from, you know, you know, sort of the schools and, and school boards and some of that stuff and talk. Um, just, I, I do want to talk about one kind of hot topic in the news. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to get your thoughts. I read in the Washington Post um, this article by Mary Laura Philpot. This is kind of a tearjerker article, I have to say. I like, know her. I saw oh, you her do. Yeah, I saw her talk at a conference a couple of years ago, her books and her social media. How fun. Okay. That's so great. Okay. Well, this is an interesting article and this is for, you know, it's, I feel like I'm in this middle stage. I've got a 16 year old, I've got a 14 year old and a, and a 13 year old. So middle and high schoolers, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I am starting to feel this weird sense that, oh my gosh, they're, they're going to be leaving. And Uh, it's uh weird. And I think when you have like, four, five, seven, even 10 year olds, you're not really at thinking that way, but I am. And I also have a good number of friends whose children have essentially left the nest. Um, and I've watched them sort of struggle with that. So this article, and just, just to set the stage, you have a junior, your oldest is a junior in high yeah, school. Yeah. So oh, I have, junior. right. I have five kids and I have a junior, he's a junior now, which means he's going to be a senior next week. And then yeah. a daughter that's a freshman. So she's going to be a sophomore. And my big thing that everyone told me is when they start high school, it goes by like that. Yeah. And that is the truth. You are in that you are in the middle of this. And I am, um, you know, I have a freshman right now and then an eighth grader and a seventh grader. Seriously, what was wrong with me? I was like, I mean, can I spread it out? I, what was I thinking? Anyway, you're gonna have hit after hit after hit. That's like me. Starting next year, my kids are rotating out every other year, and I did not think that through. I did not. I thought, okay, it's gonna be chaos when they're babies, but then it'll be great. And so I'm so excited to hear what this article has to say, and if we well, agree or disagree. Well, it's interesting to you know, I I'm kidding. Like, what was I thinking? I mean, it was, it was like we sure. just. Yeah. You know, I had had some trouble having, I lost my first, um, mm-hmm. I had a very late, I had a late miscarriage and, um, and then I had two more miscarriages. So like, then I got pregnant and then we were just like, there are no breaks. Like let's, cause I wanted a big family. So I'm lucky I have three, sure. but it, it really is like everything for me from potty training to like first meals to like riding their bikes. Like everything was, was done as a chunk. Like I didn't, it wasn't like I taught one and then I taught the next. It was like, mm-hmm. they all learned things and did things almost at the same time. It's yeah. like been this blur. Um, and this will be the same for me. So let's get to this. So this article is really, um, is really interesting. It, she starts off, she talks about, you know, 
it's celebration season season there are um you know kids are graduating she goes on and talks about that she says no matter what kind of parent you've been <clears throat> attached detached tiger mom baseball dad that the dynamic the dynamic between you and your child changes now forever and she's talking about like once they graduate right changes now forever ah i'm gonna cry it is not shameful to be swept upside down at the prospect of this up upcoming separation even if you are 100% sure it's the, it's the time is right. <laughs> yeah. Every time I go into my son's room, I'm like, go away. Anyway, I have two kids, a son who graduated from high school two years ago and a daughter who will do the same next year. On the first day, my son no longer lived in our house. I opened the dryer and found a pair of his socks. Look at me. Look at me. While I never yeah. derived my whole <laughs> why I never drive my whole identity from parenthood, which I think is, is similar for us. Like obviously parenthood is a big part mm-hmm. of it. We've got all these other things that we do um, and certainly hadn't romanticized every minute of raising children. All I could think of uh, right then was I will miss him. Okay. I got to take a break because I am literally I'm embarrassing right now. But so she talks about this and, and, and she goes on and I'm not going to read it because it's too sad. She mm-hmm. said, uh, but she did say, into that teenage size hole in your heart, you must put something exciting for you and you should proactively plan it now. And so she goes on and she talks, I mean, she found pottery. She got really into uh, pottery class. And then she said mm-hmm. she found there twice a week and she now is, you know, developing this, this is so embarrassing, developing this new form of art that she's interested in. And, you know, I, that really resonates with me because, but okay. So the point of her article is she says, at the end, I think she says, <clears throat> she says something like, you have to do it now. Plan now. Don't plan on graduation day. Don't wait three months after he's gone and you're like, oh, or she and say, oh gosh, what, what, how mm-hmm. time? Mm-hmm. And so I want, I, I feel like I need to plan now. And, and she also talked about how she didn't, she didn't find it satisfying just to lose herself in work. So you and I, you know, we both work and, and yeah. that also fills some of our time, but she said that it wasn't enough. It was, she was obviously searching for something that stimulated her from an artistic standpoint, a creative standpoint. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting, how, how are you feeling as, as I'm reading this? So I'm like, I have two different thoughts that have come into mind. One is based on my own personal experience just a month or so ago. But the first thought I want to share is parenting is a continual process of letting go. You start out and I think especially as a mother, but I think dads are definitely included in this. That baby is inside of you. And then all of a sudden it's out and you still have to protect it in the same way. Right. And we all deal with that different ways. Some people don't care if someone touches their baby, other people don't leave the house. Right. So, and then they learn to walk and you have to just let them and you have to let them fall. And then they go to kindergarten for the first time or preschool or daycare, whatever that looks like. Right. So So to me, parenting is this constant act of, of I'm here and I want to, but for your own good, I have to let you go. And we know that inevitable 18 or or whatever you look like, they're going to officially be living their best life. And if you do not acknowledge that's coming, you're going to be a wreck and you cannot ignore it. Um, And like, think about that first sleepover. And oh. it's way harder on you than it is on yes. them. Yes. And that first overnight trip. And, and we have all these little 
in high school, they're gone for a weekend, right? For a sports event. And that's a little way of, okay, we could do this. My kids, I'm like, show me proof of life. You don't have yes. to call me, but text me and show me proof of life. Send right. me a picture of you. And then our oldest son <laughs> went and wrestled in Madrid and Barcelona, Spain for two weeks without us. Oh, that's um, hard. So again, that was just a little taste. And, and, um, I think besides giving ourselves time to get used to finding habits, we need to also do little things like that to make it easier for all of us. Because if the first time your kid's been away from you for two days is their freshman year of college, it's not going to be successful. It's not, you're going to have the kid that's depressed. You're going to have the kid that doesn't understand or have strength in their own confidence and and abilities. Right. Well, and also, you know, this is a good way to segue into one thing I think parents might not do is in an effort to hang on to those last couple of years. And I'm guilty of that. I mean, I shouldn't say last couple of years, but I am, you know, you have 14 year old, at least for college and at 18, like and it is. is. I'm no there. Guarantee. Yeah. They'll right. have a girlfriend's house. Right. Oh, going to for oh, Thanksgiving. Like, yeah. you know what you yes. want and your kid's going to be the same. Well, and you know, it's, but I, but it's interesting. I think one thing parents can do that will help them with this transition is preparing their kids to, um, to go out in the world. There's a great yeah. book, great mm-hmm. parenting book called how to raise an adult by Julie Lythcott Hames. I actually reviewed this book, I think for national review. Are you familiar? It's a great book. I mentioned yeah, it before. I'm not, but that concept, like we do my, yes. my daughter just today, I was giggling because I knew we were going to be talking about some of this. She is in second grade. So about to be a third grader. So she She's eight years old and it was for time for breakfast. And she goes, I want to make eggs. And I'm like, no problem. So she made herself toast. She went to the stove. She made eggs. We didn't have shredded cheese. So she just tore up like all these things that some adults can't even do. No, exactly. It's, and right? this book, this How to Raise an Adult, Julie Lifecuthame was was a dean of, I think, Stanford. I might be getting that wrong. Um, and and she for 18 years, I think it was 18 years that she, this book had such a, a, an impact on me that I, I remember so much about it, but she was a, a, a dean um, of admissions at Stanford again, I think. And she noticed over the 18 years that kids were getting, were incapable of making eye contact. They would hide behind their parents. Their parents would do most of the talking. We know all this and we know that COVID made it worse, but we know that like, if you look at sort of ch- children have become sort of less capable and she said then their parents leave you know they take the yo-ha home and these kids don't know how to clean themselves don't know how to set up you know a workspace don't know how to cook don't know how to do their laundry and they also don't know how to really communicate with other people so they then they you know she's like oh shocking then we have all these kids on that are depressed mental and, health issues and they're, and they're right? getting and then they get medicated but they're not dealing with the core issues of let me sh- let me explain to you how to survive yeah. so you know it sounds like you're aware you know you're already doing this and i'm already doing this but i think this is also could be a coping mechanism for parents like before you know, spend I want it to be years. easy for them while they're with me. It's going to be hard enough for the rest of their lives. So I want it to be, and I get that. Plus, yes. let's be real. It is way flipping easier for me to handle all the things than to let them do it. Oh my God. Let's be real. As you were describing, as you were describing the eggs, 
All I can think of is like the mess, you know the mess, the mess. To get there, like, right? And that, but guess what? She knows how to clean up the mess. And today we had the lesson of, because we, you know, do not have an amazing fancy house, the lesson of, honey, you need to let the pan cool before you put it on our not granite countertop to no. then put it on your plate. Like I caught it in time because it's supervised freedom, right? right like, so right. you just buy it and then like, hey, honey, like, right? But now she knows. And now that's not going to be a problem moving forward. And here's my thought too, rather than looking at it, like I'm forcing them to grow up too soon. I can do it. I should do it. I'm the parent. I'm asking too much of them. Look at it this way. Not only are you preparing them for success, but also I have the comfort of knowing when my kid goes out, he's not going to starve to death. When a girl does come to his dorm room, she's not going to barf and leave and he won't be a bachelor for. <laughs> forever right my daughter does not need a man around or need to stick with a boyfriend to help her fix the toilet or all these little right yes. I'm giving them the tools to be successful and and it's not that I'm not taking care of them I say that to them all the time as I'm eating bonbons while they clean the house I'm just kidding but sometimes I do well, sit and work yeah. while they clean the house but I'm like I know you think I'm lazy but trust me when I say it would be way easier for me to clean the whole house in an hour and a half than scream at you or prompt you over and over for four hours to do it. But this I can't, is important. I cannot, I cannot <laughs> believe the parents who do not give chores. Um, we pay a small allowance to our kids. Um, I say once a, once a week, it's usually I forget. And then I owe them more at the end of the <laughs> yeah, month. You're like, yeah, you're your like, here. Yeah. Uh -huh. No, it's not, it's much less than that. Of course. I know you're joking, but, um, <laughs> yeah. but, um, but I, you know, it amazes me parents who don't give chores. Chores are a way of, t of explaining to kids how to actually do things. And show um, them they're capable they're and capable. you can do it. And honestly, like, God bless you. My kids don't get an allowance. They're out feeding horses at 530 in the morning because they want to ride the horses in the summer. Yeah. That's and awesome. you're cleaning up the house and you're yep. doing your laundry because you have clothes to wear now above and beyond things like, um, you know, building fence or helping us build our hay barn, our yeah. steel hay, right above and beyond things. We'll give them a certain amount of money. Okay. Just, I right? got to ask you, I got, we got, I got to tell this story. So on uh -huh. Twitter, you, I love your give, say your Twitter. <laughs> what's your Twitter? Um, it's um, Prairie heels because someone else was Prairie wife. So, so I'm pretty sure my Twitter handle is Prairie heels. That's what it is on yeah. Instagram too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you, everyone should follow you because you post these p videos and pictures of what your kids do, which is so interesting. Cause it's look, it's Wyoming and they're out it's on horses totally and, and it yep. is. And you posted something the other day and I was like, what are the little round things? So, yeah, tell, so wait, well, first, first say what, what, what was it that yeah, day? It was a roundup yeah. of the cattle, right? So it's called spring branding. And so that the whole month of May, that's what we do. Like we're going to go tomorrow and do spring branding at, at our neighbors. And usually it's a community thing because for example, this year we don't have cows, but we have multiple ranches located around us. And sometimes they have up to 1200 head that need branded. So you just help. Like it's fun. It's just what you do. It's good yeah. for the kids. And so branding is how you take care of the new calves that were born in February. So you give them vaccinations, you tag them, you castrate them. If they're bulls, if anyone's sick, you give them medication, you know, if they're yeah. swollen or okay. And then you brand them so that you know that they're your cattle in case they get out. 
And so part of the branding is that's also how you count how many calves you have and you keep track of, I call them the boys and the girls because I'm a city girl, but technically it's the steers and the heifers. <laughs> Everyone laughs because I'm like, is it a boy or a girl? Because that determines like what you do. So for the girls, you take a little triangle out of the top of their ear and you put it in a bucket. And for the boys, you save one of their little sacks from their male anatomy and you put it in another bucket. And so then at the end you count it out and that way you know in this year how many heifers were born and how many steers were born so you can keep track of your stock. Okay. And what you saw was my daughter and my son, the little triangles are the ear, chunks of the ears that we cut out. And then the balls, the little balls you saw were the balls and they were counting. So, so I innocently (laughs) ask, I'm like, what are those things they're sorting and your response? And I think, I don't remember how I responded, but I was like, gulp. I was like, oh, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're not squeamish around here. Yeah, that's for that's sure. So what do you do with the cows who don't identify as male or female? No, I'm Never kidding. Okay, I had, to, you know, I had to make a joke. I had to make a no, joke. No, it's okay. totally fine. Which, uh, you know, it's, and so one of the things that we talked about going back to that parenting article is I actually just wrote an article. People she talks about you have to wait before you can't wait till senior year and graduation to accept that this change is happening. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. So my son is a junior. And so it was time to schedule senior pictures because in case you're watching this and you don't know if you choose to do senior pictures now, schedule them now. You cannot wait till <laughs> April. Okay. Now, because you're going to get 500 emails from the school all fall along saying they need them for the banners to go. They need them for the slideshow. They need the, and you need to have them before school. So you're welcome for those of you that are not aware of this and you don't have to hire a photographer. You can do it on your own. It's fine. We have a photographer we've worked with that does our family pictures she's going to do. And so I scheduled senior pictures and that's when it hit for me. Like we set up the date and the time she sent me the information. Here's the outfits. Here's that. And I like hit like, okay, put it in my calendar. And I just, I started crying and because I'm me and I like to pour salt on the wounds and I believe in just wallowing for 24 hours straight and then moving on with your lives. I went to our son's room, which has been his room since he was two years old and we moved here and I pulled down the photo albums of when he was a sweet old baby and a three-year-old and his whole world was me. Yes. Right. And I just looked through them and I wept like I ugly cried. I'm sure he will see the tear marks on because this, you know, he's older. So it wasn't like digital, you know, tear marks on all the photo albums. And I just cried. But I felt so much better afterwards because you just got to like cry, cry. Cry. This is a big freaking deal. This is your baby. This is and, and you can't fix it. You can't fix it. You can't well, fix whatever I, happens. They've got to go through whatever happens next. I think the other thing is, and especially for me, what which is I deal with a little bit is the I have all boys, and I think mm-hmm. boys leave in a slightly different way. Whereas girls, I mean, I think about like I think a lot of girls or a lot of women, you know, it's not true all the time, but sometimes I think they they want to be with their moms. Right. And so Christmases and Thanksgiving, they might get a little, I worry about that tremendously. And I worry that, you know, look, they, they're supposed to, I hope they get married and have families and, and have a wonderful life, but you are suddenly, you're going to be an in-law 
to when you when it's a boy you're gonna be and it's, the no one ever talks about like my it's always the mother-in-law that's yes. like and that's yes. gonna be us like yes. that's gonna be us so yes. <laughs> I have thoughts on this because I and pre- I, I I, I honestly, I'm watching way too much Meghan Markle news too. Like I'm terrified that, you know. Look, you can't pick. And in the end, uh, you know, whether you're a faith-based person or not, that is their new family. And how you react is going to determine how much you get to interact with that family. Now, that doesn't mean that you need to bend over backwards and jump when they say jump and take care of grandkids when you don't want to. I think the boundaries on both sides are super healthy and super important. And then I think you have to give grace to yourself and to, for you, daughter-in-law, for me, I'm going to have a mixture of everything because I know my relationship now with my mother in law is phenomenal. Like it is, I consider her a friend. We did not start that way. You know, and Kathy, a lot of that, it was my own baggage. You know, Kathy, that's really good, sensible advice. Here's mine. Um, I think you should encourage your sons to marry orphans because then <sighs> I love it. <laughs> you don't need to compete or know or, what a mom should or, be like <laughs> or marry or marry someone that's from like a war torn country because nobody wants to go and visit that. Right. Oh, so these so are my, I have, this is my I, advice. I have another perspective on this. So my husband's fifth generation Wyoming, he is here. All of his siblings are still here in the state. I at 17 years old left home, which was Milwaukee, moved to Wyoming and haven't looked back since. Okay. One of the best things that my parents ever did for me when I left and I have done this for all of my children is my mom said, we don't care when we see you as long as we see you. They took a hundred percent of the pressure off at making it there for the holidays, making it there for the big benchmark moments. And I can tell you what, especially once we started having kids to be able to not worry about Thanksgiving and Christmas, but to come for a week and a half in the summer when there's actually stuff to do with kids was huge. And of course they're always welcome here. Like we always invite them to come and visit us. Yeah. Um, but taking that pressure off of insisting you're here for Christmas, you're here for whatever, especially because plane tickets at that time and travel at those big days are so expensive. It just wasn't smart feasible, right? Like it just wasn't feasible. So if if there's something that I could tell people whose kids are going like our oldest son, I don't think he's going to stick around in Wyoming. He's looking at Florida. He wants to go somewhere warm. This last winter broke him. (laughs) Yeah. Which my husband's like, no. And I'm like, go, like, go. Yeah. I will yeah. visit you visit. wherever you are. Well, I it's will funny. visit it's, you wherever you are. It's interesting, especially if he lives in Florida. Who doesn't want to go to Florida? But London the, would be good. Right, yes, yes. <laughs> but the, it, that actually ties into my other theory. I have all these theories on, and all these uh-huh. ideas on how I'm going to keep them close. And we're going to laugh in 10 years when we're oh, still doing this. And I none know. of this worked. None right, of this exactly. Worked. But I've said to my husband, I'm like, you know, I mean, we live in a pretty area. Alexandria, Virginia is historic. Mm-hmm. And, and although they, the city leadership is so woke around here, I, I'll be surprised if there's any. We got lots of room here for any, you. I'm just yeah, saying. You know, I want to go. But I've said to Darren, we've got to like either our retirement house and we have, I, it's like, a fantasy we will never sure. be able to buy like an oceanfront house or a lakefront house hey, never say never but, you never know you never know but i've said like we need to because 
I want it to seem like a vacation, like that they can come and I'll have like this beautiful guest room and all this. Stuff. I have to be honest. That is our plan. That is a hundred percent my plan. Yes. We are saving for a vacation home by the beach so that my children will visit me. And I tell that to the kids yes. and I am totally like I am. And I tell my husband, we need to make sure it's three bedroom. Cause even though we don't yes. need that, that works perfect for their yes. kids and yes. all that. And uh, I think, Hey, look, I've, I've got that plan in place as well around. Okay. Here, now but, that's something we have to make happen. But in, in the end it's it's about it's we have to let them go you knew that from the beginning and I'm yeah. not saying it's easy I think her advice about pre-planning for that separation is phenomenal not only for you but for the kids right yeah um and I can tell you I did not expect the stress of college applications oh. of them picking because in our family we do not pay for our kids college yeah. We have said that from the very beginning, we are not paying for our kids as college, which on one hand is a little bit stressful for them. Like our son has to have a job all summer. He doesn't get to go play and do all the things with yep. his buddies. He good grades matter more. Yes. Because he knows that, you know, and this is all it's of them. I say money. he, cause yeah. he's the oldest, but it gives him complete and utter freedom to pick whatever he wants. I'm not going to be mad if he right now he wants to be a nurse, but if he goes to nursing school and two years in, he's like, Oh, not the right fit. I don't care. Okay, fine. You paid for it. Not my, right. you, whereas right. I see other kids struggling with, well, I have to pick something because my parents are paying for this and they have, so the parents get input and I have to listen to them and I have to meet their expectations. And I feel like it actually, while it has put financial pressure on him, not in an aggressive way, but in a, in a way that this is just the reality of growing up. Well, and, it's also given him a lot of freedom that his friends don't have. Yeah. Well, and I, I think there's the parenting role that you have is just making sure he doesn't do something utterly stupid. Yeah. Like, he wants to go to Notre Dame. Great. Where's their $60,000 a year for tuition yeah, exactly. coming from? Exactly. If you don't and get also, a scholarship, and, and, check but, it off. But also, <laughs> also, you need to examine the job you're eventually going to get now. Oh my gosh, there's a lot of money in nursing. I had no idea. I actually, years ago when I was on Capitol Hill, I was staffing a hearing on the nursing shortage in America. And I think there still is a nursing shortage. Oh, absolutely. And these travel nurses, they had been, oh my God. Yeah. They had been seconded to the office to help with this hearing. And so, and they, so they, they had careers as nurses, but they had kind of gotten into the policy world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they told me one day, and it was funny because it really was, it was that moment. And then there was another moment. The nurses were so nice to me when I was in the hospital having babies. And mm -hmm. I was like, I want to hang, I want to live with the nurses. They're so nice. Like I didn't want to leave. And I, I, I was like, I would have been good at this job. And so I had this, it was funny because I had this whole like, but I could not believe the money. I could yeah. again, $10,000 yeah. a week for a traveling nurse. Now it's disruptive. Yeah. Especially if you have yeah, family. But, but here's the deal. He that's his thing. You just hit the nail on the head. He doesn't have family. So his plan and and granted, not all children have this foresight. And he I he can change his mind at any moment. But we have so many conversations about this that he has thought and he he knows he probably doesn't want to live in Wyoming. So his plan is to get an education wherever college gives him the most money. He has some places he doesn't want to live lots of places he's open to. And then he's just going to go all over the world and make money and then pick in the end when he's ready to settle down yeah. where he wants to be. And that might be back in Wyoming after he's done everything. That's great. And our daughter wants to be an egg teacher. 
Okay. Agriculture teacher. Yeah. Um, so she knows that she used to want to be a vet, but she kind of changed her mind and felt like after talking to people that that wasn't really a good financial option because especially for country vets, it's just, uh, to get people yeah. to pay and all that. But anyway, so now she knows that's what she wants to do. So she knows probably going to college in New York city, not a good fit because they probably don't have a great egg program, Texas, yeah. Oklahoma, yeah. Um, you know, of course the university of Wyoming. Right. And so knowing that now she can start making all these things. Well, and, and again, you know, getting, I meant to make, I was, I got back, I got on a tangent about the nursing profession, but what I meant to say is, you know, if you're going to get a degree in social work, okay you're not likely to be making big bucks like ever. Okay. Cause I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah. my sister's a social worker, right? She does a lot of great things. She loves her job. You know, she's not for the money she, and she has a great life. Yeah. She's, she doesn't yeah. have a family. She's not married. So she basically, she only has to take care of herself and she, yeah. she does fine, but don't go to Notre Dame. Like you don't, I mean, you know, there's this idea and I think to, to um, make sort of detach kids or, or make them understand that, I know you want this college experience and you want to go to this cool college, but you ultimately, if you want to be a social worker, maybe to do two years yeah. at, at yeah. Um, community college and then go somewhere else. My kids, our, our position on, on, uh, on colleges and paying for colleges, you know, because of COVID and we're now providing our kids with a private school education. Mm -hmm. um, we're not really sure we can help much. And the, but the rule is, is, um, don't get yourself in a ton of college debt. That is the only thing that we are, and we're going to be like you, Hey, choose where you want to go, but yep. we are going to be very firm on, on if they want to be, if, if they want to be an engineer and you want to go to Notre Dame, you'll probably make that money. It's probably worth it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, or there's a, what's the, I think it's DePaul. So there's a school that's known for its engineering department. Mm -hmm, and you're going to mm -hmm. be in a lot of debt, but you're going to make a ton of money. So it's probably fine. Yeah. And um, the connections you can make by picking that one. And the, the thing about it is too, is there's scholarship is so much easier. Now there's literally a website that my son goes to, he visits it. And again, not all kids are this driven, but as parents, you can make them sit down and do it because hi, you're the parent. Um, Especially if you're paying. Yeah, the more that the more that you go on it and fill stuff out, the more scholarship opportunities open up to you, right? So it's just like this website that has, I feel like it's millions of different scholarships. And he just rolls through and spends like 15 minutes every couple of days on it, like doing all different things. What is and that then, website? I will get it for you from him. Yeah, I will find yeah. out because he did this on because I told him I'm like, talk to your guidance counselor, you're a junior. And by the way, parents, if you don't know this, junior year is when you start looking into scholarships. If your kid wants an athletic thing, start thinking about recruiting or making a Twitter account for them, because that's where all the recruiters are now is on Twitter, put up video footage of them like really junior junior year Ugh. is when you need at probably even better sophomore year. But junior year for sure is when you need to start having these college conversations because that's when they take their ACTs. And then once that's done, senior year is really just about those applications. You need to already have everything narrowed down already. And um, at our school, they do a scholarship award ceremony where they say the scholarships that each kid got and they have it on like a PowerPoint. And my son's like took a picture of all those scholarships <laughs> listed on there. So then he can go. So if they know from the beginning that they're responsible for it. And if you give them the tools and have the conversations, they'll be, they'll be fine. Wow. I didn't, I paid my own way through Have college. you written a blog on this? 
Um, I haven't because I feel like I've got to get him in college before I can say this is how you do it. Oh, you Does should. That make sense? This is, yes, but this is actually as I'm sitting here, I'm like, okay, I will be. I know I didn't Kathy know. And the recruiting, yeah, the recruiting for sports. He decided he had a couple of people organically reach out to him about wrestling, which is amazing. But um, and I'm not talking D1 or anything, but who cares if you get a scholarship and an education? I don't care. Yeah. Um, and I so we started asking more questions about it. And really, sophomore years when you when you want to start putting videos on social media of your kid, a parent run account because if you go on Twitter, that's where all these colleges are. That's what where they're looking for kids seeing what kids are doing. There's even recruiting sites that you can pay depending on what level you want to do. Like, you know, starting at like $950 and they put the video up, they connect you with all the colleges. They give you the emails of all the coaches so you can reach out to them. And then depending on what level of support you need, you can pay more or more. I didn't know about any of this. So yeah. I look forward to your blog. <laughs> I will do one. And, I will. And, and, I, and I, lo- I also look forward to your consultancy that you should set up and help people. <laughs> I know, right? Forget about social media and brand consulting. I need hire to- you. But again, part of me is concerned, like if I do, and maybe if I do a disclaimer where I'm like, I'm muddling my way through it and I'm not sure the end result. Yeah. Like I feel bad. People are like, do a parenting book, but I don't have them finished yet. So yeah. I don't know if I have enough street cred. <laughs> I think with five, I think with five, you do. And it's funny because, you know, it's funny that you say, how old is your youngest? Seven, did you say? She's eight. Yeah, she's she's turned eight. Yeah. So it's funny because I have a a friend, um, Carrie Lucas. She's actually the president of IWF. And I've known Carrie for 20, you know, some years. And she's similar to you in that she has a high schooler, a senior Mm -hmm. right now. And Mm -hmm. she has her youngest, I think is seven or eight. Yeah. And and it is so nice because you still have the, you know, you're, I think of the way your family is sort of, your kids are sort of spread out. And I, Mm -hmm. if I were to tell someone considering, I mean, you know, you can't design these things perfectly and stuff. You can't, you, you obviously can't do everything, but boy, it's nice to have five spread out that way because when, you know, you were reading this article, you know, this woman saying she mm-hmm. finds her son's um, sock in the dryer and goes on a four day crying binge, you know, it's nice to have a cuddly seven year or eight year old yeah. there, you know, yeah. who's still and learning. And God willing, we have grandkids by the time she's out. Yes, there you go. And then I never have to worry about it. No pressure. No, no pressure. Pr- <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. I want to try, I want to switch. Uh, switch topics here. And this is a little Mm -hmm. bit more serious. I'm going to read from a New York Post article. And this is happening in Wyoming. So I really wanted to get your thoughts on this. Um, This is again from a a New York Post article written by Yaron Steinbach. It says a group of University of Wyoming sorority sisters are suing their sorority for accepting a transgender woman. They're being forced to uh, accept a transgender woman, which is a biological male, into their group. Um, they broke in cover to describe how they live in constant fear in the home. After the hulking student, and this kid is really large. And um, not surgically altered. No, 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 intact. Yeah. He's a fully mm-hmm. intact I think that's male. an important detail. I think that's fully, an important yeah, detail. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I'm going to... Read about that in some, it's kind of horrific. The seven women from Kappa Kappa Gamma, Kappa Kappa Gamma, that's a, that's like a really well-known sorority, by the way, house have filed a lawsuit against the National Sorority Organization, its National Council of Pre- Presidents and Artemis Langford, uh, 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 and Artemis Langford. He's this 21 year old, six foot two, 260 pound, 
biological male intact male who identifies as a woman who joined their chapter in September 22. Uh, Langford referred to under the male pseudonym Terry Smith in the suit has been living uh, outside, uh, had been living outside the sorority house and was um, expected to move in the coming year. However, the student who is referred to he and him in the suit still often stays for meals and attends events with the women. Anyway, these women go on to talk about how they are really afraid. They live in constant fear that they'll run into him. Um, one girl in another disturbing instance, so they talk about how some of these um uh, one like like for instance, one sorority member walked down the hall to take a shower wearing only a towel. She felt an unsettling presence, turned and saw Mr. Smith watching her silently. In another disturbing incident, the lawsuit alleges Langford has even become physically aroused. Mr. Uh, this is a quote Mr. Smith has while watching members enter the sorority house, had an erection visible through his leg leggings. Uh, other times he had a pillow on his lap. Um, it, it is... Uh, so so anyway so so the national so essentially these girls do not have a safe space anymore and they are home is no longer safe yes so tell us about the coverage there in, in wyoming and what are your thoughts on this so this is it's been a couple of months i think since this started and the big part of it that upset me um I remember being a college girl. I had friends that were in sororities. The dorm floor that I was on, half was for the girls and half was for the boys. And I remember how disconcerting it was sometimes if you would like go from the bathroom with your towel wrapped around you and someone's boyfriend would be walking down the hallway. And you're like, it just made you uncomfortable. And, And that was not continuous. It was just an incident here and there. And so for these girls, like, I mean, you can't, let's face it. They can't even walk around not wearing a bra, right. like, right? right. Or even in their jammies. If they're, if they, if they think, because usually in sororities, the upstairs area where the bedrooms and everything are is members only like girls only. So you always knew if you were in your room or if you were going to the bathroom or the shower that you knew that you didn't have to worry about anyone's boyfriend being up there. Right. But boys would be downstairs and you knew that and you would, would be prepared emotionally and, you know, with whatever you were wearing for that. And so for this to be taken away from them um, is not okay. It's their own home. That's not what they signed up for. They signed up for in a sorority to be part of a sisterhood to feel safe, to feel supported, to have strong women around you that are there going through the same things that you're going through in college and classes with boyfriends, all the things. And a lot of these sorority sisters, I mean, they're in weddings together. They say like, I, right. It's a big thing. And for him to take away decades and decades of tradition for what I feel in this situation is his own sexual satisfaction because I do think based on what I have seen it makes me sad it makes me sad that um that these girls they actually were anonymous up until I believe it was a couple weeks ago because they were so concerned about the repercussions um of course at UW like people would know who they are but the world at wide right wouldn't have their names with how prevalent and terrible and vulgar cancel culture and doxing and all the things that happen on the internet are they were anonymous to protect themselves to protect their families to protect anything further on because once you google something you get it um but the judge insisted that if they wanted to move forward with the case they had to be public with their names and i did not 
like that. These no. are girls. These are girls. They are not 40 year old, 41 year old women like we are who have been through the things who know this too shall pass and it's worth standing your ground. These are girls, young girls. And I hate it. And it made me so mad that the judge insisted that they be public with their names, the girls that are in the case. And I am so proud of them that they decide to do that and move forward because I think that they're looking at the big picture of what this means on a nationwide level. And that makes me very proud for them and nervous and scared for them because they are just young women. Yeah. You know, and it, it really does make me sick that we are seeing this level. We're, we're seeing, we're seeing trans. They're nowhere safe. Like, like, no, they're, they're, we're, we're, we're seeing, we're seeing male bodied, fully intact biological males. And I think that's such an important point. Yes. Like such an important point. Yes. Showing up in women's jails, women's shelters, in women's bathrooms and locker rooms. They are competing against athletes. Of course, as you know, the Riley Gaines story and Riley Gaines standing up the things she said, she was held hostage at the university of San Francisco and battered and beaten. I mean, it was awful what happened to her, but I do think that, the more people who stand up there, it's a, it's a, it's a cliche, but there are safety of numbers. And what these girls yeah. have done is tremendously, tremendously. Yeah. And I, you know, me, I try very hard not to be political in my space. I just don't feel like I'm educated well enough to really speak out on a lot of topics, but this is one thing. This is a hill I'm willing to die on as a mom of two girls, as a mom of sons and all the things that we have taught them. And look, my daughter wrestles boys. She wrestles boys. Okay. And our state of Wyoming just got women's wrestling sanctioned for high school last year. And I was so excited because I have seen that my daughter is a freshman. If she's wrestling a boy that has not, cause it's done by weight, right? right. So you know, they weigh the same. Right. You're not stuck with someone that's six, three and her being yeah. five, three. Right. So it is matched weight wise. I have seen if the boy has not hit puberty, you can tell she can win every time. If that boy has hit puberty, she can put up a really good fight. She can score points. She can make it into the third period sometimes even, but she cannot That's win. interesting. That's really, really and interesting. And so we were so excited now that women's wrestling is growing all over the nation because it gives these girls fair competition, fair competition. And the injuries, like those boys, a lot of times they're throwing the bejeebus out of her to try and prove a point. And I get that and that's fine and whatever. And she knows what she's signing up for wrestling boys. You'll have ones that aren't respectful and, and, and really are not fair. And then you have other ones that just, you know, they're, they, right. Like it's this whole, I've seen so much of this with her and what she does. And my eight-year-old daughter wrestles boys and, um, well, it's interesting. My eight-year-old daughter can win. It is. It is interesting because, you know, I don't really mind like co-ed soccer teams for, for like preschoolers and really young. Yeah, Cause they're at the same playing level. But they're, once you're in high school, they can't, they, they can't. can't. It's the, it's, it's the, Puberty. It, it's the hormones mm-hmm. kicking in yeah. and giving men larger yeah. hearts and, yeah. and, and, and more lung capacity and a wider yeah. wingspan. Their and bones. it's just different. It's just right. different. Like we have female wrestlers that have been wrestling boys their whole life here in Wyoming. And now that it's sanctioned and they're having the opportunity to wrestle more girls, they're struggling 
because girls are so much more flexible. These girls that are so used to wrestling boys have to completely change their strategy and their moves that they use because of that difference. And there again, that like point, there are physical differences. My yeah. eight-year-old daughter, if, if she's wrestling a boy in the same level of experience at her, like nine times out of 10, she can win, right? Like if she loses, it's just because the kid's been wrestling longer yeah. or does better than her um, because she's eight. Like they're yeah. at the exact level, but high school, like I said, my daughter is a freshman. You see those boys that haven't hit puberty and you yeah. know, yeah. she's got them like that. Yeah. But yeah. the other ones. Well, I, I have to say that. Sorry, so tangent it, there. No, no, <laughs> it, it actually is so relevant. And it is interesting because you have girls in this sorority um, who are at a physical disadvantage being in a room with uh, a, a biological male. Even if so, they weighed the same, they and couldn't. Again, and again, I don't know what is happening at the University of Wyoming that the university itself has not stepped in. I am so disgusted that let's let's talk about, you know, I brought up Meghan Markle a few minutes ago. Meghan Markle gets some stupid award at Ms. Magazine Foundation, right? And Gloria Steinem is there, uh, you know, who's been reduced to a star effer, if you will. Uh, that is a line from a a, a fantastic mm -hmm. Daily Mail article I read today. <laughs> uh, Meghan Markle, because essentially Ms. Magazine, right? It's supposed to be feminists, right? Yeah. Why aren't they giving an award for bravery to these girls? Why aren't they standing up for women's spaces, right? Where Why are, are half the, the women's awards going to men? Yeah. Where are the feminists? But also, where are the sexual assault um, act, uh, 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 survivor activists? Like, can you imagine? We literally have universities where you have to set up safe spaces with, like, you know, coloring books and pencils and stuffed animals for people. Hot cocoa and people. <laughs> yeah, who hear, who have to hear, like, a speech by Riley Gaines, for instance. Um, uh, but you're, you expect, you know, potentially, you know, people who potentially have survived, you know, you, you're possibly. They're never going to be able to are, or Who have survived sexual assault and have to welcome males into their women's space. I mean, it's it is so sickening and also i'm sorry where are the where are the outraged fathers i mean that's another thing that bothers me is like where are the men everyone's so scared now yeah. but in the end and and like i said i usually stay like this far away from anything political it's yeah, just not my sure. thing it's not right. what i do but this one I do not think but it I would be, be a good yeah. mother if I did not stand up for creating this safe place. Look, there's, I don't know a single woman that hasn't been sexually assaulted. I don't know a single woman that has not had someone grab them or touch them when they did not want to be touched. I don't know a single woman. And just the thought, especially in college, when you're so vulnerable emotionally, you're going through so many new things to not have a safe place, especially when you paid, you paid for that sorority to be a safe place. I mean, that's how they, yeah. that's yeah. how they pitch these sororities, unless it's changed. I mean, I haven't been at the University of Wyoming in a couple of decades, but that's how they pitch it is empowerment and women that are around you and they know what you're going through and they just like. Yeah, shattered all of it. Yeah, they did. And it, it really is. It really does say a lot about the university and the fact that yeah, the, I don't know if the sorority is a separate entity than the university. That's where I that's the, where I, I don't feel comfortable. I, sure, I don't I, know. Right? I, I don't I, know that. But I do know that universities set rules and can, at the very least, issue a statement in support mm -hmm. of these girls or, or mm -hmm. you know what the university could do? 
they could kick this sorority out of their campus. They do this. If you're a, if you're a, a yeah, fraternity and you have a drunken, you know, party yeah. and someone gets hurt, they have shut mm-hmm. down fraternities. They can do the same thing for sororities. And the fact well, that and the then national- you think like you think too, like, all right, let's flip it. Let's have a girl that wants to be at Sigma Chi. Like what would, how would that work? Those you know, guys would probably be like, yeah, but what would your immediate thought be? The safety of her, right? Right. The safety of right. her. Right. She would not be safe in that space. Why? Well, because there would be men around her and men near her in the shower and men near her in her room. And well, wait a minute. Isn't that what we're just doing to the sorority? Yes. yes. So that... it is, it is, it is truly a disappointment. The lack of support for these young girls and the, yeah, the fact... and I hate that the judge made them say their name. I did not like that. I thought yeah. that, I thought that I'm sure that there's a lawyer listening. That's like, well, no, it's because of this and blah, blah, blah. I, that made me mad. It made me mad. I didn't well. think there was a need for that. Why? What, how would that make the case better? Well, and I, the, you know, the other thing is, is, is I think these girls, it, it makes them vulnerable to sort of these Antifa, um, attacks and, yeah. and people doxing them. Yeah. Also looking back at their lives and saying, you know, what, what, you know, once these women want to get a job, will that affect them? That's I what think? I mean. Like, I don't understand how them being public with their names made the case any more valid. To me, I felt like it was a scare tactic from the judge to maybe just get the case thrown out because he didn't think they'd be brave enough to do it. And then he wouldn't have to deal with it. I don't know. Again, I don't really know how the legal system works. Yeah. Well, Kathy, we will. We're gonna. We're gonna keep. Um, you're coming on next month again. We'll ask. Yeah. Her, uh, you know, I, I, we may update this story. Sure. Um, and see, you know, what happens there. Um, and I think on our next podcast, I'd love to talk to you. Um, about summer plans. That is something oh, that stresses yes, moms out, especially of younger kids when, you know, I'm a I, rebel when it comes I am, to that. Well, and I'm, I'm at a phase where I don't need to worry about that anymore. You know, mm-hmm. one of my sons will have a job. My other one will be mm-hmm. on so many sports camps and sports events. And then the other one will probably be in camp, but basically they can take care of themselves. And the biggest hassle for me is staying quiet. You know, we have a, t- we have a really small house. And so, you know, you may see a kid wandering through the next podcast, you know, on summer. My break, kids but- are all downstairs because we don't have school on Fridays. <laughs> I was like, I'm doing a podcast. Go downstairs and watch TV. Yes, I know. It's <laughs> the, the media. The media is hard when they're home. So let's let's chat about yeah. that. And we'll do yeah. another news roundup next month. How's that? Perfect. Sound? Sounds right. wonderful. Thanks for coming on, Kathy. I love chatting with you. Thanks for having me. The Bespoke Parenting Podcast with Julie Gunlock is a production of the Independent Women's Forum. You can send comments and questions to me at julie.gunlock at iwf.org. This is a big request, but please help me out by hitting the subscription button and leaving me a comment or review on Apple Podcasts, Acast, Google Play, YouTube, or iwf.org. Hang in there, parents, and go bespoke.